It's our wrap of the top business stories in 14 minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, to take a look at some of the big stories in the markets today, I'm joined by Makwe Masalela, Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, how are you doing, my brother? I'm good, and you, bro. How are you keeping? And good evening, ah, Can't complain. Can't complain, my brother. Makwe, I want us to start here with uh, Sipo Pichana's exit from Anglo Gold Ashanti. And I guess the exit of Anglo Gold Ashanti effectively from South Africa. Uh, they still have some operations on the continent, but Ingati by Valilinwata of South Africa. And then, of course, uh, enter stage uh, right, Maria Ramos, as uh, the newly and uh, uh, duly elected chair of Anglo Gold Ashanti. What's happening there? And uh, seemingly, I guess, a big shake up at the top. Yeah, and you know what? With immediate effect, is always a big concern because, you know, stuff like this, you plan it, you know, you work around it, you give people a notice, there should be a proper handover. Yeah, that part, I think that was worrisome for most of us. That what happened, why are the guys doing that? And remember, they showed their last mile in South Africa, which happens to be the deepest mile in the world, almost four kilometers south, you know, to Harmony. And the guys basically didn't operate here. And then as they indicated, they also want to make their primary listing in London. But yeah, I agree with you. It's just so of a concern, and we couldn't get the details. That exactly why did he leave? He stayed all day, gave him credit of trying to help them during their time because the guy has been chairing them for the past six years or so, was it 2015 or so? And I think if they could have indicated when they appointed Maria as a director last year that the plan here is should be taken over from SIPO, uh, then I think the market could have been a bit certain. But yeah, anyway, she's got the right credentials. And the interesting thing is both of them. I think people was at the DG at some point, right? He was. He was. Actually, both of them uh, here, and this is what for me is interesting. Maria Ramos was the DG at the National Treasury, and Sipo Pichana was the DG at the Department of Labor. But I think with Maria as well, you know, for the fact that now they've just positioned themselves as an African operation, I think, remember mm. Maria's experience when it comes to Africa, when they were still involved with parties. She did a lot, and yes, also when yes, Batlis was yes. moving away from APSA, she continued to build APSA Africa. So I think she knows Africa at least better than the other guys, and probably she'll continue to do a good job. But guys, the company is doing well, all because not of the leadership, but because the community says the price itself is doing well. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly, before I let you go and we go to the uh, spot break, uh, we'll certainly uh, come back, Mark. I mean, what, what do you make on that point of uh, very healthy commodity prices and uh, some of the, I guess, uh, balance sheet plays that we've seen here? We've seen a few, uh, you know, uh, PGM miners buying back shares, some sort of redeeming uh, uh, long uh, instruments, debt instruments and debt notes uh, much earlier than they would have. Uh, uh, what, what do you make of that? You know, if you invest in a mining company, a mining company has a lifespan. And an attractive mining company's investment is the one that will pay you dividends. And as the executive, you always have to make sure that you return lots of money as you can to the shareholders. And if you don't have any other thing to go and buy, all you can do is continue to pay those dividends because when you buy back some of the shares, you are also enhancing the dividends because you cancel those shares, meaning you'll have fewer shares issued, and that will increase the dividends that people will be getting. If you settle your debt before time, also mm. good thing, other than you are saving on the interest that you should be keep paying, but you also help to simplify your capital structure going forward. So 
mining companies in their nature, we know that we've been operating for 30 or 25 years, so I just want to make money as much as I can because this is a certain lifespan. Hence, we see all of them with all this cash flush. They're doing mm-hmm. stuff like that because they don't have other opportunities to go and acquire other mines, but Africa yeah. continues to still be a lucrative and uh, uh, kept sure. market for them because they still have those commodities that, number one, they can mine, you know, they're not mm-hmm. that deep, they're just on the sure. surface, you sure. can even do open cast. Hence, we see most of them trying to develop those kind of mines mm-hmm. only in countries where they've managed to sort out all the political and other issues because sure. we know other African countries, they still have those challenges. The long and short is that we need to return as much as we can to the shareholders mm. because we won't be operating for next enterprise, yes, sure. on that sure. particular mine. So people okay. will okay. see you as being a very good uh, mm. investor, investment, if okay. you continue to pay them good dividends in any other form. Yeah, yeah. Let's pause there for a second. We'll certainly come back to that theme because uh, it certainly does rate society-wide. It's a wrap of our top business stories, and I'm in conversation with Markwe Masilela, and uh, we are talking about the big stories in the market uh, on this uh, Tuesday. And uh, Markwe uh, was just making the point, if you just joined us, uh, around Maria Ramos's uh, entry as the chair of Anglo Gold Ashanti and uh, the exit and the resignation there, and I guess rather hastily, of uh, Sipo Pijana from Anglo Gold Ashanti. Now, Markwe, let's shift our attention to uh, some of the data that came through from Stats SA. And, uh, uh, I must say this year has certainly been a very funny year when it comes to GDP and employment numbers and how uh, many of our colleagues here in the media interpret some of these numbers and I guess how uh, the st- uh, statistics agency has had to sometimes run helter-skelter trying to explain the methodology, which is uh, something we must certainly welcome and encourage. Uh, but it seems the third quarter was much better than the second, albeit of uh, a much lower base. Sure, definitely. And I think, as you said, you know, the methodology is very critical here, you know. And hence, maybe SSA is looking into changing the methodology because it gets to give you unnecessary big swings because this one can get to be analyzed, analyzed, analyzed. But, but remember, I, uh, this whole thing here is, as we have seen, a, a 10 or 15 or 51 percent drop is more worrisome compared to a rise of 66, as you're saying, because that is coming from a very, very low base. So this is not anything to be excited about because we're coming from a very, very low base. We ask ourselves that if that was not the case, where was going to be our economy? Chances are, for the fact that we know that it's been contracting for the past four, uh, we had almost four contractions so far, then chances are our economy, even if it was not the issue of COVID-19, one we would have expected it to continue to do well because anyway, we were struggling, but I guess in the absence of any positive news, we just have to be excited that at least we didn't continue to drop, or at least we are trying to show some bit of growth. And what's more important for me here is what drives our economy. We know that 50% thereof depends on consumer spending, and we're happy to see household spending increasing by almost 69.5%, and the investments that we desperately need we saw them in the form of the gross fixed capital formation also increasing by the likes of 26.5% or so. So that's it encouraging going forward. And if mm. we can get the necessary structural reforms, which are very slow, if we can get the issues of ESCOM sorted out, that will definitely help us. And this whole thing about the possible second wave, that's another headwind because it could happen that if this gets to materialize, as we see in other states and countries, like Germany, or South Korea, 
you know, going back into the lockdowns or even other countries hesitating to relax the current lockdowns. That will have a negative impact on our economy and it's clear mm-hmm. our economy for the year, given what has done so far, because we have things so far contracted by almost 7.9%, definitely will get that 8% or so contraction when it comes to our economy. Sure, sure. Makwe, we saw a uh, marginal rise in wholesale, retail and uh, motor trade sales, uh, which of course are always, I guess, uh, indicators of where consumer spending is at. Um, so notwithstanding, I guess, a massive jump uh, for the third quarter coming off the negative territory we found ourselves in uh, before, um, it's quite interesting maybe to just hear your perspectives on what maybe the Q4 data might be showing us about uh, current spending patterns at the moment. We saw Black Friday probably didn't hit the lights out uh, as it has done in uh, past years. Uh, uh, some of your expectations around what that is going to look like and the ripple impact on uh, the trade sector and on manufacturing. It's not going to look okay because, as you are saying, coming from a low base, it's easy to get any nice positive number. But as you are saying, the numbers that we've seen, I mean, just take the past retail sales numbers. They recorded a negative 2.7%, and tomorrow we're getting another retail sales number, and we don't expect them to shoot out the light. So people were locked up. People didn't have, couldn't go out to spend. So the minute they were allowed to, it makes sense just to go out, you know, in numbers to try to buy whatever that they've been using to buy, stuff that they need to do. And then after, things have to stabilize. But now this stabilizing environment where we've got high unemployment, where we've got people using salary cuts, where consumer confidence is low, where people are worried about what's going to happen with policy going forward. So you don't expect people to continue to spend the way they did in the third quarter. And that will continue to break our economy to contract by anything more than 8%. Yes, it's all well and good you know, that if you were locked up, then when you get an opportunity to go, you'll go out in numbers. But will that be sustainable? Definitely no, because mm. people don't have jobs. And even we've seen that with all the stimulus that the government to try to come with, especially the likes of that 200 billion uh, uh, guarantee, these so small businesses, the take-up is not impressive. We're talking just under 20 billion thereof that people have been managed to get, you know. So it tells you that there are more companies there which definitely will have to close down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, so far we might be having a certain number, but going forward it will happen. As an example, we've seen in the U.S., we had more than 300% of the companies that were built out last month. Those companies thereafter, because it stopped, it dried out, then the guys applied for liquidation. People applied for bankruptcy. Mm. The very same thing could easily happen to cope. When all yeah. these assistance gets to come to a standstill or they stop, then yes, companies will face the harsh reality. And it's very easy. You get small businesses that understand how to use the banking system. And truth be told, who are small businesses in this country? Blacks are not small businesses. Blacks are more independent and stuff like that. But the other people that the white pattern to have more small businesses and they know how to use banking facilities. It gets to a point that I promise you that they realize that we can no longer afford to pay this facility. They'll tell Mr. Banker that that's it, we cannot afford it anymore. We are closing shop. And they've done their things in a very nice way that they protected some of their assets. Unlike me and you, we'll put your last house maybe as a guarantee, mm. stuff like that. They can have situations like that back. They understand the banking system more than most people, so it's very easy for them when this whole thing drives up. And Mark Myers, they will just call Mr. Bank and say, come and get the keys. That's it. We cannot sustain this anymore. 
My point here is people will continue to lose jobs going forward, given that we don't have anything concrete on the table from the government to try to revive our economy, other than mm. all these obvious things that they've been saying for the past two years or so, up until something still has to be done, up until you get a direct intervention, then that will help. We had an argument from time in the U.S. last year, I mean, the past few months or so, they wanted as a government to do a direct injection into those businesses to make sure that it reaches the right people. Who's been benefiting with all this COVID-19 vaccine, with all this positive news coming into the into the economy? Only financial markets, because that's the ones who's been going up. They've erased all the losses. And what is supposed to be is that what we see in the market is supposed to be a reflection of what is happening in the main economy. Mm-hmm. But this case is the other way around. We yeah, can be excited yeah. and see your rent strengthening to 15. We can be excited to see the shares going up, but the real economy, unfortunately, is not even stagnated, it's struggling big time. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. expect any yeah. improvement unless we do something as the government to make sure that we rectify the situation. Indeed, Mark, and uh, we certainly hope, I mean, that uh, even some certainty around ESCOM. Uh, through that social compact, which we're going to be discussing uh, under the microscope this evening, is one of the few measures that uh, seen as a whole and can continue to, uh, I guess, uh, strengthen uh, sure. the uh, real economy and yeah. the real sector of our economy. Sure. Yeah, if you may allow me, and I think sure, it's Mark. about time. We cannot longer live our lives. We cannot longer plan our businesses based on hope. Mm. It's all well and good, you know, to have all that. But, hey, people have been hopeful for a very long time you know, that things will turn around. So we just need things to turn around. Here you are, you've got the big debate about the salaries. What's going to be happening? Eish, Marco, that one. Ay, 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 ay. That one. Ay, ay, I see the that one is not for me and you. It's not for ah, the boys. Chief, that one. Let's, let's, ay, let's ay, ay, that one. to the real guys, you know, to tell you. But all I'm, just, all I'm just trying to indicate that we still have serious realities that we have to face. Sure, Kicking sure. the can further down the road, is not helping anyone at all. Yeah, and it seems the road has also ended now, so I don't know if we can take uh-huh. it any further. That being said, Marque, what do you make of General Electric and uh, the turnaround that has happened there? It seems uh, they have become cash flow positive and uh, are now pouring about $4 billion US dollars into their balance sheet. Uh, and uh, there's also, I guess, uh, some inklings of uh, issues around uh, pension liabilities. What's happening here? And I think that's what companies do, and that's what mining companies should also be doing. You know, as we've seen, if you've got lots of debt, I, that works against you. We've seen what is been happening with the likes of Aspen. If you have an opportunity, especially if you manage to generate cash, make sure that you settle your debt because that helps your balance sheet. And in cases where things don't work out, we get to be in this current situation for a prolonged period, then at least you know that you are covered to some extent. And I think that they're wiping it for the fact that now that case generated, they're using that money to make sure, remember, they they, they, they made an advance of almost $2.5 billion when it comes to their pension to make sure that they inject that. And I think this whole exercise, what I think, the guys will probably receive their debt by something just over $14 billion US dollars. And I think since 2019, 2009 or so, they have reduced their debt by almost $25 billion. My point here is, whether you're a company, whether you're a government, whether you're a private individual, if you can be able to reduce your debt, definitely use that opportunity. And as we are as individuals, interest rates are at very low, low, low levels. Reduce that debt, especially the ones that attract high interest rates. So I think it's a wise thing 
that you can hold electric is doing, and we know this thing has been with them for quite some time. So here they are, they're taking a corner, and also testimony that it can be made travel, it can be made difficult situation, but if the planning is right and you're sticking to it, you will definitely get out of that current uh, difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And you know, Makwe, I mean, just just as we're talking about this, uh, one of the big sectors in South Africa, of course, uh, is the business process uh, services sector. I think they used to call it the business process outsourcing sector, but uh, I think, you know, people are a bit more sensitive uh, to that particular term. Um, and it seems that these are the guys who spam us, these are the guys who call us, and a true caller, uh, an entity that many of our listeners would be familiar with, uh, uh, ran some of their data here. And suggesting that South Africans receive, on average, 11 spam calls a month. And uh, insurers, so some of the massive insurance companies, are some of the biggest culprits. What's happening here? But, guys, what do you want? Just job creation, you know. I mean, the guys have... Yeah, my God, but don't... You know, you know what I do now? When I see 087 Buddha, I put it down. <laughs> no, I don't have two calls, so I put it down, no, you know. The yeah. consoling thing. Let, let alone the fact that it's no longer 25, that it used to be. The consoling thing here is that most of them, you know, are genuine, legit calls. You know, are not people trying to defraud you. I mean, we are not, we are better compared to the likes of we are India, we are Brazil, even the US. Even most developed economies like Germany. But yes, you are right. It's very, it's very, it's very frustrating. But I get the concern from the fact that most of them, they happen to be legit and hey, You've got a choice whether you take it or you don't, you know. And we'll continue to uh, position ourselves as a country to attract all those companies that are looking for call centers. But yeah, you are right. I think you remember there was a time when the national credit regulators came into play, where we're getting calls and SMSs from banks, attracting people to get loans, and people ended up being in debt. But they managed to keep that that we are not supposed to do something like that. Maybe. With insurance as well, we have to find a way that you don't get people to be in a position where they get over-insured. Because there is something like that. that become over-insured. You could be using that money for something. But yeah, you are right. We're still part of the top 20. And whether we're going to get out of that top 20, we don't know. But hey, since it's a global phenomenon, it's not easy to get out of that. Hmm. Yeah, hey. But, uh, I mean, I guess the, the other debate is, of course, uh, the generous incentives here in South Africa for this sector. And you're right, it does create a considerable number of jobs, especially for young uh, uh, African women. But uh, I guess the big story then, of course, in this context of data protection, privacy and all of that, uh, is how long can this sector hold out for? You see, people play around these things and those guys, whatever that do it's legit. The, the way they're getting your data and they use it for and where they buy it. Because up until you prove that, you know, where they got the data, the way they got it, the way they're mm-hmm. using it, then it's not right. Then you've got a case. But no one is complaining that whatever that is happening is outside the law. So I think it's one of those, those loopholes. You might be having poppy in place, stuff like that. And hey, the guys are not exposing you as their personal data. I mean, just to have your email or to have your phone number, I don't think it's just that too personal. Because so many people do have on our contact as an example. So it's doesn't it doesn't have to be deemed as more private and confidential. You know, if maybe they go another step and get your bank details, stuff like that, how much do you earn? I think now they'll be like going at the, the loss of the country. But I guess telephone numbers is something that people can get easily. Email, 
same story as well. Mm. And people use mainly telephone numbers. And hey, here you've got a choice. They don't force you into a call, as you're saying. Oh, yes, seven, yeah. as you're saying, you put it down. <laughs> Makwe, let's leave it there, my brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, yeah, man. I don't know if you take 087 numbers, but I don't. Uh, I, so do, I do, I do, I do. You do? Okay. I, okay. Encar- I encourage job creation in the country. Sure, leader. Sure, leader. So, so you make sure that you talk to them and then, <laughs> and then you say, sorry, man, I'm not a good lead. Sharp, Makwe. Sure, sure. Makwe Masilela is the Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers, joining us there for our wrap of the top business stories. We take a break now. When we come back, Siteta Nomfomkulu from all the way Emakanda in the Eastern Cape. Tim Bingwasi Pants is the CEO and founder of Avari Cars. And we talk about the automotive industry in our SMME exchange.